Good morning and welcome to another edition of Today's Nutrition, where we look at what is new in research, what's hot in the news, or any topic that can help us lose weight, feel great, or live longer better. Today, I have a fascinating journey ahead. Together, we're going to dive deep into the world of insulin resistance, explore the latest research, breakthroughs, and trends that I think should and will transform the way we manage diabetes and metabolic health as modern medicine learns and changes. Why is this so important, you might ask? Well, insulin resistance is at the source of all common metabolic conditions today, like diabetes and heart disease and high blood pressure and gallbladder disease and many cancers. Fatty liver disease, hormone imbalance, infertility, cosmetic issues, advanced aging, prostate disease, arthritis, dementia, you name it. Basically, all the really bad players in medicine today. No real cure for any of these unless you go to the core, the root problem. Insulin resistance is by far the most common root cause of any of these conditions of conventional modern living, but totally reversible. I really have dedicated my career and my life to this subject since I, I've been insulin resistant since I think I was eight years old, partly due to bad diet and years of antibiotics. I was probably one of the early canaries in the mine shaft and was one of the ones, first ones to suffer from poor epigenetics for this problem. Epigenetics is really more important than genetics because your genes are modified by all your body experiences, your diet, your activity, how you think and how you stress, how well you sleep, and of course, the biggest epigenetic influence, your diet, where you take the whole world in through your fork and as that is sort of transformed into your energy. Epigenetics is really the basis of my best-selling book, Get Out of Hormone Hell, Six Heavenly Steps to Lose Weight, Feel Great, and Reverse Aging. I mean, who doesn't want all these things, right? And it's really the good thing is that the very, the little things that we can do every day that influences our genes. So that's what those little things, that's what determines your health, your mood, your longevity, even your weight. Insulin resistance is the perfect example of a big epigenetic modification because of our current popular diet and lifestyle. It's your genes that play a significant role in how your body responds to insulin. We have uncovered specific genes associated to insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes, and we can develop personalized treatment plans based on your unique genetic profile. So it's like a custom fit. But the prevalence of insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome is rising, particularly in developing countries where Western diet has started to invade and replace the traditional diet. And in younger populations, it estimates the prevalence is going to range any place from 20 to 80%, depending on the researchers and what population they're looking at. And look at our kids. Next time you see a group of kids, look at their size. Kids are developing these health problems that will surely shorten their lives 
and definitely take away from their vitality. No question about it. It is increasingly clear that an individual's risk of developing insulin resistance is going to be determined by genetic factors, but also these epigenetic factors. People who are most at risk are those whose ancestors, sometimes over decades or sometimes over hundreds and thousands of years, have evolved to periodic starvation. It's an adaptogenic sort of response to help us survive. In the short term, history and nutritional science can point to offspring of Holocaust survivors that for several generations have shown to be at much greater risk for diabetes. You know, think about it. These people were starved, yet they survived. They had to metabolically adapt so they could get by without much food at all. You know, in other times, in in times of, you know, before we had refrigerators, before we had much civilization, we really had to survive long periods without food. You know, this adaptation has been passed on epigenetically to allow the offspring to also survive on much less. And that's a good thing. It allows for survival of the species. Uh, But look around. We aren't at any risk for starvation these days. Our refrigerators and cupboards are full of calorie-rich foods that just isn't in sync with our genes right now. And that's how we commonly end up with obesity and metabolic conditions that lead to insulin resistance. So now we're going to venture into the mysterious world of your gut, or more specifically, your gut microbiota. Imagine these billions of tiny organisms in your gut that influence your insulin sensitivity. That's where my insulin resistance came from. And I'm also going to explore prebiotic fiber, probiotics, and those lowly vegetables and how they can balance your gut and improve metabolic outcomes. So much of this research comes from the National Institute of Health and because it takes over 30 years for research to get into practice, I'm giving you the gems that you can use to help restore your health. You do not have to wait 30 years. It is a pretty clear link between these little foreign microbes in the human gut and the development of obesity, cardiovascular disease, metabolic syndrome, type 2 diabetes, even your intelligence and even your capabilities, and yes, your mood. There are literally more than billions, literally 39 trillion microbes in our body that influence everything. The interactions are really complex and profound. We've done studies in humans and in mice that show how that gut microbiota has the effect it has on our metabolism and all those pathways. You know, I've been watching the research on this one strain of bacteria for decades, Bifidobacteria lactis 420, because of the exciting results on weight loss and metabolic health. I love it. I take it daily. I think it's responsible for that extra five pounds of weight loss I had over six months. And now that isn't much, you say, but I didn't change anything else in my diet. Just added this, but when I took it out, 
the five pounds came back on. So as a side benefit, we find that this B420 builds the one family of bacteria that nourishes the gut lining. To geek out, it's Acromantia mucinophilia. So what I've found is people that are lactose intolerant or had unresolved diarrhea for years cleared up in days. I love these microbes. And the best way to nourish them is to eat the lowly vegetables. And this is an important point. So if you're busy doing something else, come on back because you need to know it's those vegetable fibers that feed the gut lining. No other way we know of. It's those vegetable fibers that are the prebiotics that ferment. And when they ferment in the large intestine, that's what feeds those healthy gut microbes. And yet another good reason to eat your vegetables, lots of them for metabolic health. Now I'm going to touch on artificial intelligence and the use of technology for diabetic management, specifically the continuous glucose monitor, the CGM. I often wear one And right now, I can look down and see my blood sugar after a meal is 106. I had a perfect meal for me. And I saw just a gentle rise in blood sugar, not a spike. So with knowledge of how certain foods affect your individual blood sugar, it helps you make better decisions, better dietary choices. I learned the hard way over trial and year over decades. I learned what worked for me. And I knew that any grain flour would spike my blood sugar. And if I added nut butter to it, whoa, look out. It would spike and stay high for a long time, no matter how, quote, healthy, unquote, the bread was or the nut butter was. Flour is finely ground. so And that raises blood sugar more than plain old table sugar. I love the CGM and think Everybody should do it for at least two weeks and experiment so you can see how foods are reacting to you specifically. You know, I pretty cool. Lately, I had somebody who found that just being a little dehydrated raised her blood sugar significant. You wouldn't know that any other way. So now let's talk about becoming metabolically flexible and ways to enhance insulin sensitivity. And it's pretty simple. If you're eating every two hours, your body has to maintain a pretty high insulin level all the time to keep that blood sugar from going high. And what we know now and what we understand is high insulin is really bad on your long-term health, increasing all the problems of insulin resistance, cancer, dementia, fatty liver, fatigue. Ah, On the fatigue, your body adapts to eating all the time and the liver and pancreas can't recover enough. So they easily, when you get more metabolically uh, flexible, you can easily go from burning food for energy to burning the stored food for energy. Otherwise, you're a metabolic mess if you're having to eat every two hours. So that's why I usually recommend starting out slowly. You know, stretch out your eating window so your body can just gently adapt. Close up the kitchen after dinner and don't eat for 12 hours until you have breakfast. Indeed, that's why they call it break fast. Then you tease it up a little bit. You go a little longer without food. Insulin stays nice and steady and your body goes to clean up, fix up mode rather than digestion. Yeah, and we're finding this is the biggest boost to longevity. 
It's really about keeping insulin from spiking, keeping that blood sugar from going high that requires the insulin. So a healthy, lower-carb diet, maybe ketogenic sometimes, intermittent fasting at least overnight, and then maybe extending it to 13, 14, 15, maybe 16 hours if you feel good doing that. Don't ever want it to be a stressor and make you feel bad. There's so much research that those seeming secrets behind a high, a low-carb diet, even a ketogenic diet or intermittent fasting, I recommend it to almost all my clients. All of these have proven to help people lose weight, feel great, and reverse these aging. And who doesn't want that? Now, time to tackle the fiery subject of inflammation and insulin resistance. Did you know that chronic low-grade inflammation can sabotage your insulin sensitivity? Not the kind of inflammation that comes from a sprained ankle or a wrench back, but the silent inflammation going on within the cells. That silent inflammation is fueled by a high-carb, high-sugar diet. You get rid of the sugars and starches, and those insulin-signaling pathways quickly normalize and it's better than any anti-inflammatory NSAID you can take. And without the side effects, only side benefits. Many herbs help there, of course. And you know my favorite is the Terry Naturally Curamin Extra Strength. Life-changing for so many people. It has this very specific extract of turmeric that helps silence those inflammatory pathways that are fueling the insulin resistance, the heart disease, the metabolic syndrome, the dementia, so much more. I take curcumin extract every day, that specific one, and I think it's the number one thing that you can take to help assure long-term health. And the research is pretty darn compelling. Next, you got to be careful of those endocrine-disrupting chemicals. Hold your breath because they're really bad. They are being labeled as obesogens, diabesogens, and carcinogens, not to mention endocrine-disrupting chemicals that affect hormones like estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, thyroid, cortisol. You know, you can read a lot about it in the last chapters of my book, Get Out of Hormone Hell. You know, these chemicals are in our air. How about the wildfires in Canada, in our water? How about the algae blooms? Or how about the high level of pesticides in our water? And how about all the plastics in our water now? Oh my gosh, there's just so much that we need to know how to avoid. One of my favorite ways to improve insulin sensitivity, let's get moving. Dive into the world of exercise and it doesn't take much. In just a few minutes, you can transform your insulin sensitivity, and that can last up to 48 hours. This benefits your heart, your liver, your brain, your muscles, every cell in every way, and it's anti-inflammatory. And there's some emerging therapies. You've heard about the GLP-1 receptor agonists and the SGLT2 inhibitors and the gene therapies that may change the future of diabetic care, but I'm cautious. You know, whenever we think a new drug is the savior, turns out to have a little bit of the devil and side effects. So I really prefer the old standard, like berberine, that I know and trust, and it's been used for like thousands of years, you know, and you have to be careful where you get it to. You know, I, I could go on and on about this, but there are a lot of charlatans on the internet and even Amazon posing as reputable companies. 
39 to 55 percent of products pulled were either mislabeled or adulterated. Buyer beware. We only carry the best at the good earth ones that I can verify. And we have to look at the psychological factors like stress and mental health when it comes to insulin resistance. You know, managing stress, focusing on positive mental well-being has to be part of an overall health strategy. Turn off that dumb news. Go for a walk. Nothing else. Center yourself with a few deep breaths, breaths and connect with what's inside rather than the external thing that's stressing you. Do what makes you smile and never underestimate the power of food. If you're indulging in a lot of sugars and carbs, you know, that could be that you're feeding the wrong microbes. Your gut makes more serotonin than your brain. So maybe you need to be eating things that are going to feed the happy gut microbes in your gut. Just saying you have to have gut, a healthy gut microbe. So I know when I'm stressed, my CGM is going to show higher. And finally, you got to have sleep. You know, eight hours of uninterrupted sleep is essential for insulin resistance. It's going to help you make better food choices. So there you have it, folks, a whirlwind tour of insulin resistance and the exciting developments that you can control. Your health is dependent on you making small little good choices every day. But you can do it. If you need help, as always, you can email me, sign up for one of my programs, and I'll show you how easy it can be. Thanks for listening to another edition of Today's Nutrition. I hope it helped you or someone you love. As always, you can listen again on my website, debford.com, or any place you listen to podcasts. Have a great day.